Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. So after a lot of thought, I've done a couple of years worth of the daily lectionary podcasts, and so I'm going to take a break from that for a season of time, and I don't know how long that season will be. Uh, the, the break is in order to do some other things that I really want to do and want to get accomplished. It's, it's not that I've exhausted all the, the uh, thoughts on the daily lectionary. I, my experience is, is that, that the longer I do it, the more I, I see and the more I understand. So, But I'm going to take a break from commenting here on that. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to study a book. The book we're going to study is the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and so um, this was Suzanne's suggestion that we uh, that I do this. And as always, it is way more complicated than uh, I, I initially thought that it would be. Beginning right in the beginning with the genealogy, but even before that, beginning with who is this Matthew? It's interesting. There's modern scholars and modern critical scholars tend to. Uh, always go on the side of the most sort of conservative way of looking at things, and and what you think is conservative probably is not exactly right. <laughs> the the view of most scholars or many scholars today, particularly those who are not tr- typically deeply invested in the gospel itself, but who study it more as a, a literary work, is is that Matthew the apostle didn't write it. Well, there's no particular um, reason that they say that, to be honest with you. The, the argument against his, his authorship is not much, to be honest, because the, it's based on essentially that it was, there's, no, um, there's no place where he defines himself as, as Matthew the Apostle. Well, but the problem with that is, is, is that there's no evidence that this gospel ever circulated any way other than being attached to Matthew. And so it's odd that, that you would say that. And then one of the other arguments is it's written in good Greek, but Matthew was a Jew. Well, yeah, he was also a Roman tax collector. He had to mostly work with people who were not Jews, frankly, and the people to whom he reported were Romans. And so his Greek would probably have been better than, than most of the apostles, to be honest with you, because he needed it most in business. It, there's all these odd things in there, and so that the, they're based on odd statements, to be honest with you, but there's no evidence ever in history that this gospel circulated as anything other than the gospel of Matthew. And then you've got some other issues that have to do with dating. A lot of people will say that it was written late, like in in 80s and 90s. And they say, part of the reason for that is they say he speaks of the destruction of the temple. Well, he speaks of it by quoting Jesus, speaking prophetically that it will be destroyed. It also must have been written pretty early because James actually quotes from Matthew. So it's a little bit odd to think that that it would have been a late date, and then James, who was the bishop of Jerusalem, actually included information from Matthew's gospel, specifically. The, the gospel must have been written in Antioch. One of the things that everybody agrees on is that it was written in Antioch. It, well, that was the place where Christianity first really took root outside of the land, and so it's where Paul was called. Barnabas said, hey, I know somebody we can get to come up here to Antioch and teach these people. So they had been taught 
the gospel, and then Paul goes and expands further on what had been taught there. So it was written from Antioch, so it's quite likely that an apostle would have gone there. As I said, it was the first real center of Christianity outside the land. So it's quite possible that that somebody would have gone up there. There was a sizable Jewish population in Antioch already, and so that's another reason we kind of think that Matthew's gospel was written from Antioch is is that that it's written predominantly to a Jewish community who is coming out of Judaism and, and into this quote new thing. You know that that recognition that Messiah, the Jewish Messiah specifically, has come, and so he, he's encouraging and and doing an apologetics in some way for that that Jewish Christian community there in order that their faith would be strengthened by seeing and and proving that Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and God's promises to the patriarchs so the 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 arguments against his um, authorship basically, boil down to things like, well, he never identifies himself as Matthew. He uses, supposedly, some information from Mark, and Mark wasn't an apostle. No, what we believe about Mark's gospel is that he is the John Mark who Paul speaks of, and he's also the boy who ends up naked at the trial of Jesus because he's gra- the cloak is grabbed and he runs away. And the belief is that he is Peter's amanuensis. In other words, Peter um, dictated his gospel to Mark as his sort of disciple. And so it's really, in some ways, Peter's gospel under Mark's authorship. And Mark obviously adds some information to whatever Peter would have told him because he adds that little weird detail I told you about at the trial of Jesus, the young boy whose cloak is seized and he runs away naked. I can remember a time, this is many years ago now, that that, uh, we're in church on a Sunday morning and that part of Mark's gospel was read and I was sitting right behind a guy who who he and my wife were, Suzanne were in a... um, small group together. He and I knew each other, but that's about it. Um, He's actually a priest today. Um, But that part came up, and he turned around and looked at me, and I was looking at him, and both of us were just baffled by this. And it was really weird because, like I said, it's not like we were good friends or anything like that. I didn't know what his faith was really any any more than, oh, he's another guy who comes to church on Sunday morning. And this is in a season when I was moving towards... um, going into ministry, and, and unbeknownst to me, so was he. But but it was really weird that these two guys who ended up being Anglican priests uh, sitting in a church uh, service hear that part read, and we both looked at each other in absolute amazement. Um, it's just, it was a really weird little coincidence that I'll never forget. But anyway, so so what we get here is these these arguments against Matthew's authorship that are based in he never identifies himself as the author, that, that it's written in really good Greek, and that he, he uses Mark, and Mark wasn't an apostle. So why would an apostle quote, then, from a guy who wasn't an apostle? Well, if you understand what the church has always understood, that Mark was really Peter's gospel— it was his his pulling together of of what he learned from Peter. Then you can understand why that might happen, but but I'm not sure that it did. Let's just go there. Um, it's difficult to tell which which is which in things. And and then like I said, the authorship dates. 
um, they want to give late dates, but but that's the most conservative position. It feels like a liberal position, but it's more conservative because it's based in what we don't know. And if we don't know something, then we're going to tend to make it later in time and say that. And and it's based in the idea that what Jesus said wasn't prophecy and the only or it was prophecy but the only reason Matthew actually included it was because it was after the fall of the temple and so that the prophecy had already been fulfilled and, and those are conservative ways of estimating things to say well yes it's prophecy but would Matthew have included it if if it hadn't come to pass so that that's a conservative way of looking at it, and it's conservative to say we don't think Matthew the Apostle wrote it, largely because Matthew never identifies himself as the author. But if we look past those arguments and see that this gospel was always circulated under Matthew's name, that James quotes from him, which changes the, the dating on it, and then also that that Matthew would have spoken probably the best Greek of the entire group. And it's quite possibly one of the reasons that Jesus chose him so that he would be the one who could write that gospel. So, but it's odd in so many ways that Jesus chooses Matthew. I mean, you can just imagine Matthew is an outcast in Judaism. He was not even particularly, wouldn't have been particularly well-liked by anybody, but particularly by the Jewish community. The reason he wouldn't have been liked by pretty much anybody was he was a tax collector. And a tax collector, the way that tax collection worked in the Roman Empire, particularly on the outskirts of the Roman Empire, as he would have been in Israel, was that, that you bid on a territory, and so that territory was, was whatever the Romans determined it to be, and, and they would let the job of tax collection out for bids. And, and the way it worked was you looked and you basically came up with an idea about how much uh, the, the value of the assets in that area would be. And then you, you, the highest bidder said, okay, whatever the tax rate would have been, they would have said, okay, the, let's say the total value of, of all assets in the area and then the income that would come in through trade, because you would tax things brought for trade, though, that would be, let's, let's give just a number, so it's a million dollars, let's say. And then let's say the, the rate was 10%. So the, the, the rate was constant. So you would bid and you would say, okay, I think I can, you know, I think minimally I can collect $100,000 here. And so you would bid $100,000 if you thought that that was the, you know, basic value of things and then apply the tax rate. Then you would say, okay, I think it's worth this much. I'll bid this much. And then what happened would be um, you would value those things higher. So you, if Rome was satisfied with your bid, then the way you made your profit was to value things at a higher level because you prepay that amount, that $100,000. You'd be paying that to Rome in advance, and now it's up to you to go cover that and then to make whatever income you can. And so there was a great incentive here, um, particularly when, when you consider that greed is a fundamental sort of part of our character then then there's a there's easily an incentive to overvalue everything and so it when you overvalue everything then because it's coming to your pocket right i mean it's not like you're a representative of the state you're a private contractor with the state and so there's a reason for your income is going to be based on how much more you can collect over what you paid minus your expenses as well 
So that that's the issue. And so, well, well nobody is going to like that. I can remember, if you've seen the movie, The Christmas Story, the, the book that it's based on is In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. So it's it's a it's a sign in a bar actually, it that is owned by one of Ralphie's childhood friends. By the time he grows up, so it, that story though included at, at that time in Indiana apparently that they did the same thing, and so so the tax man would come to your house and and would look and, and value your stuff, not just the house but your stuff, and then you would be liable for paying personal property tax. On that, and and so he recounts. Gene Shepard does the writer recounts in there uh, a memory of the tax person coming, and it's you know it's comedic, so it's it's not you know literal, Um, but you can see it. it, They come in. Well, look at that rug. That's a nice rug. Well, not really. You know, look, it's got this little tear here, this little burn mark here, this whatever. And so there's this this argument that goes back and forth between the tax man and and the father. Because the the father has every reason in the world to want to keep that number suppressed. The tax man, you know, he works for the state. So his motivation is not even the same as as Matthew's would have been. Matthew's motivation would have been way more direct. I mean, the the tax man gets a salary. Matthew is working for his salary by these valuations. And so he would have been disliked by almost everybody. And so for him to have been called by Jesus would have been quite a shocking thing, probably first to Matthew. But then specifically to the other disciples and those who were kind of around the apostolic group. It's like, I can't believe this. And so you see that at one point, because Matthew gives um, a banquet. When Jesus calls him, he gives a banquet, and he invites his tax collector buddies and other people to come. Well, his his friends wouldn't have been, you know, pillars of society. They wouldn't have been the people that other people respected and loved. And so while they're gathered around, the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees are there at in the house, and, and they lean in to the disciples, and they say, why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? And it's probably the question that was on the disciples' minds themselves at that time. And so then what happens next is Jesus answers it and said, I came uh, to seek and save the lost children of Israel. And so that, but in, in Judaism, they would have been even more hated than just generally because they would have been seen as sort of um, Nazi sympathizers almost. They would have, they would have been people who, um, Viktor Frankl, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, specifically talks about the most hated people in the camp were the, were the Jewish people who were prisoners, but who collaborated with the Romans, or not the Romans, the Nazis, and, and acted as their informers and, and, and their sycophants within the camp in order to get better treatment. They were the most despised people. Well, Matthew would have fallen into roughly that very same category. He would have been considered to be a, a Roman sympathizer, and the Romans were considered to be bad. Uh, so, because they they were the rightful um, rulers, were the Jews over that land, and and so it collaboration with the Romans would have made him a persona non grata in pretty much any part of Jewish society. He would not have, for instance, been able to go to the temple. Uh, he probably had had taken up this this job at an early age, and so his um, personal scholarship. In, in Judaism probably wasn't as great, for instance, as were some of these others who, who were clearly looking for the coming of Messiah. And we know that because John's gospel tells us that, because the first people are, are followers of John. The first disciples that he calls are followers of John. And then they go tell others, and, and they say, the one we're looking for has come. 
So, so his early disciples were all guys who were looking for the coming of the Messiah, and, and they were they were intent upon that and believed that in fact they would see Messiah. Matthew, we don't see any of that. We we don't see anything like that with Matthew, and so so he comes in and. and and is just part of this group. And in the uh, television series, The Chosen, they, they show him basically as autistic and kind of an outsider into the group. It takes a long time for them to warm up to him and accept him as part of the apostolic band, in spite of the fact that Jesus clearly chose him to be part of that. So I can remember several years ago, I preached a sermon somewhere. I didn't know anything about the situation in that church. The pastor, I had preached there before they started the church, and, and while they were waiting on the new guy to come, and then um, he called me a couple years later and said, look, I, I'm going to be on vacation. Could you come up and take the service for me? And I said, sure. He said, what do you want to preach? I said, I, I don't care. Just I'll preach the lectionary. So I did. And, and I went up there, and it was the call of Matthew. And what I said was is that, that many of us uh, kind of got into the Anglican world, the Episcopalian world, whatever, as, as a way of socially climbing, at, at least, at some level. And then, you know, what we saw along the way was is that God was moving and God was active. And so the, the problem is, is that I said, what we have to do is make room for other people that God wants to bring in. It may not be the people that we've been accustomed to being with. It, it may be that those people are, are of a lower social place on the ladder than us. But but Matthew is a call of a guy who threatens to disrupt the whole thing because he's from a, a hated class of people. And so, you know, maybe what we need to do is take all of Jesus's teaching into, into our hearts and say, well, you know what? I'm here to welcome anybody that Jesus wants to bring, right? And, and stop thinking in terms of class and social standing and all that kind of stuff. And maybe we really ought to reconsider everything in light of Jesus's condescension to become like us in order to save us. Maybe we need to get over ourselves and allow him to bring who he wants. Well, after the service, hardly anybody even spoke to me. And then I found out later the problem was exactly that. That priest was going out and he was connecting with people that they thought were inferior to them and, and kind of uh, did the opposite of beautification of the congregation. And, and we had the same problem here. Um, when we planted the church, there was a, a certain social standing that was uh, expected, apparently, by some people, and they didn't like it when other people came in who were not of that same social standing and character. So it was an interesting time, but, but Matthew has the, the, the potential for the blowing up this whole project right from the start is, is true with Matthew. And so um, I believe Matthew is indeed the author of this gospel. I, I believe it because I believe his Greek would have been very good. He also is writing this gospel specifically for one audience in mind. And, and the reason I say that is because he quotes more prophecy and more Testament scripture than any other gospel writer. And so I believe that he is doing it for the benefit of the community in Antioch and then the broader church as well, so that that group in Antioch can stand firm in the knowledge that Jesus is indeed a son of Abraham and a son of David, and that so that he is the Messiah. He qualifies as Messiah, and he fulfills all the Messianic prophecies. So I believe in my mind, there's no question that Matthew, the tax collector, is the author of Matthew, and I do agree that it, that it would have been an earlier date. It, it didn't require the fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic words about um, the destruction of the temple in order to to qualify for Matthew to put that in the gospel. I, I have a pretty decent idea that the tensions were so high that, it, that by the time 
uh, the, the temple was destroyed, nobody was particularly surprised that it was because Rome had such problems with the Jews that it was going to have to be dealt with. So I don't, I don't question Matthew's authorship, and I don't question an early dating of Matthew, but, but I want you to understand more than anything else why Matthew wrote his gospel, and it was to convince the new church, the church primarily of Jews who had decided that Jesus was the Messiah, it was to convince them and to, to give them strength of faith so that they could say, yes. We know this, and he put it in writing so that they would always have it and they could always refer to it. It wasn't secondhand. They got it directly from him. I believe that's the whole reason, and that's the reason that I believe it has to be Matthew. It has to be Matthew the Apostle, not some anonymous person who, who then somehow it gets associated as Matthew's gospel. I think it's a totally different issue. I think it's absolutely written by Matthew the Apostle, the tax collector. And he did it in order to encourage and strengthen the community of of Jewish Christians who were in Antioch early, early, early in the church's history.